Welcome to our Saturday night simulcast. We thought we were going to be doing this like at four in the afternoon or five in the afternoon. Didn't happen, as we all know, Purdue. Should we stop for with... a five and a half hour break here real quick? We could. We could. I think that would be fitting. Uh, uh, but the boiler. We could have done one <laughs> afternoon after the first nine minutes of the game. Yeah, I was gonna say I got two. I got two and a half hours of radio time uh, filling in on. I should have called you guys up and seen what your grocery lists were for the call-in show was early today. But Purdue does win twenty-four to seventeen over Virginia Tech. This is our Saturday simulcast. It is brought to you by the Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up uh, Bar, uh, the everything that you could ever want uh, in a, in a hotel, the Eight Eleven Restaurant as well. We also remind folks that we do actually have a website that we would love to have you subscribe to. If you enjoy us on YouTube uh, or any other ways that you get our information, we do have a site. There are specials going on at goldenblack.com. We encourage you to uh, join as soon as you find a, can get to your computer. So uh, we appreciate uh, that consideration. All right, guys, Purdue. uh, I don't know, as Mike and I were talking before Brian came on, not not necessarily a work of art, but a win and an important one for Ryan Walters as he goes into week two uh, of his regime uh, with an important road victory. Brian, I'll start with you. Just kind of what your what were your thoughts as you uh, made your way through this uh, game that uh, that seemed to never end? I just think you wanted to see improvement from week one to week two, and I think you did. I think you saw uh, Purdue with a a bigger, more robust game plan offensively, a more as I called it last week, bread and butter. Um, They had the ball enough to actually use their playbook more than they did last weekend. Um, I think they figured out some things on third down they could go to that work. I think the defense played really well. Um, Situationally too. Uh, You know, I I think, I think Ryan Walters, when he went for it on that fourth down in his own territory, kind of walked that fine line between recklessness and aggressiveness and, I think he kind of left them kind of hung out to dry and they responded. They had, they held Virginia Tech to a field goal and uh, obviously closed the game out. Didn't give up a point in the second half. I think that was closer to the um, <clears throat> level of defense Ryan Walters is going to want to implement at Purdue for the entirety of his duration uh, at Purdue. Uh, if it wasn't for that very iffy uh, personal foul call uh, at the end of the first half, that would have been uh, – four fewer points, presumably. Right. They had to settle for a field goal. Um, that's football, though. Uh, I thought this was a very redemptive, for lack of a better term, performance by Purdue when the offense needed to be picked up, the defense did it. When the defense needed to pick up, be picked up, the offense did it. When Ryan Walters needed to be picked up, the defense did it. Um, it, it was just a better performance in week two than in week one. And I, I didn't think Purdue was that far off in week one either. Yeah. Obviously getting the job done. They did not have a third down conversion, I think in the second and third quarters, but they did when it came, when it was important. They certainly did to start the game. Uh, the Boilermakers seven for 17 for the game, but, uh, uh, and dominated the game for the most part, statistically 427 yards, 286 for uh, Virginia tech. Karma, your, your view on this one, uh, what were your takeaways from that uh, uh, victory for the Boilermakers? I mean, there's there's a lot of things that went into this, but if you compare it to last week, to me, 
I'll put it as simple as possible. I mean, they were better on third down. They started the game three for three on third down, and they mm-hmm. scored. They ended the game on their game-winning drive three for three on third down, and they scored points. In between, I think they were 0 for 8. Mm-hmm. Better, they stayed on the field offensively, which allowed them to run 80 plays. And their defense got off the field for the most part on third down. And Virginia Tech, Tech, I think, ran 62 plays. I mean, it's kind of the complete opposite of what happened last week uh, as far as the numbers are concerned. But to me, that's pretty simple. I mean, there were other things. The offensive line was better other than, you know, the short yard situation on fourth down. The running game got going. They stuck with it. They they didn't try to get cute and say, well, we're air raid. we got to throw it. They just um, – you know, they ran the ball well up, but Hudson Card made really good decisions on the zone read, when to keep it, when to pitch it. Uh, you know, Mockaby was able to get out in space. Tyron Tracy was able to get out in space. And, you know, this is, I think they're starting, today was a, a sign, I think they're starting to establish, establish some sort of identity on offense of what they want to be. Um, you know, they're not there yet. They won't be there for a while. Uh, and, that, you know, they got the tight end involved. You know, Garrett Miller was back, but he didn't play a lot and probably shouldn't have with the, the weather conditions down there. But there were different people that got involved in the offense, and they were in more of a rhythm. They were more in sync. And I think that's probably a byproduct of having a game together and then going through practice and fine-tuning some things. So they just they looked a lot better on both sides of the ball. And when you can do that and get a win, you, you feel better and – it gives you something to build on going into next week. Yeah, no question. Max Clare had led Purdue in receiving, had the toughest moment of the day when he did not get on the field, I don't think, on a, on a uh, field goal. But uh, that they made, and then they turned around and missed. Uh, but, again, a little bit hard to say whether he would have made because it's kind of like everybody stopped. But a tough part of that game. But certainly, you know, Tyrone Tracy had the tw- they had a couple long longer touchdown runs. Tracy had 51 yards rushing, a little bit more balance. Uh, I thought card for again when they needed him to be big. They did he did get sacked today. He got hit a few times, but he but he ran the ball 12 times today and uh was under some pressure too. But he did, I thought he did a pretty good job avoiding that. Uh, uh Brian, you know, you look at this now and and you gotta move ahead with uh you got three home games and all of them uh, potentially with Wisconsin struggling as we record it was at Washington state tonight, you know, there's three games now that you can win. Purdue obviously has to take it. I think a possession at a time. Uh, we're not uh, ready to, to anoint the Boilermakers as a uh, team that's going to go four and one throughout the month of September. But again, it's hard to minimize the importance of just getting this win and, and being able to come home and, and start fresh with the uh, three straight home games. Yeah. I mean, you just want to keep getting better. And I, right. I think seeing results from week yeah. one to week two, you know, should reinforce to everybody that, hey, what we're doing is working here and uh, everybody's frozen. What's going on here? No, I'm, we're good. Oh, you're yeah. just very still. Um, I think that. We're as, so intent on what you're saying, but go ahead. As, I don't even know what I'm saying. As improved, <laughs> as improved as Purdue was from week one to week two, it's not like you've arrived. You know, it, yeah. it's there's still a long way to go here. You can oh, still yeah. there's any number of things you can keep getting better at. I think the fact that they kind of found some things offensively, and I think the reason you're able to run the football the way you're able to run the football um, 
the back half of this game or the evening part of this game. <laughs> the darkness part, yeah. The back end of the doubleheader, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, reflects the fact that you were able to get in a passing game rhythm you know, early in the game, and you you actually had a defense on its heels. You know, a big part of the reason, as good as Devin Mockaby was last year and as good as Purdue was, as well as Purdue was able to run the ball at times last year, that's not the case without people worrying about Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones. You know, I, yeah. I think that's that gets overlooked so much. People <laughs> people blame the offensive line when a team's not running well, and oftentimes that's the case. But I think the most important thing about running the football, especially at Purdue with the way these last few Purdue teams have been constructed, is getting a balance established between an effective passing game and then being able to run off that. And I think Purdue's offensive momentum early in terms of the short passing game and the possession passing game, what have you, plus the gravity that Deion Burks probably had coming out of last week, you know, I think really, really helped them offensively, but you can still keep, you can still keep building on that every single week. And um, I think you'll see them be even a little bit better next week than they were this week when they're not playing on a puddle. Yeah. So I guess the field was very, Mark Herman was talking about the radio network. How, how, you know, after what they say, I got varying reports, 2.77 inches. And then they said maybe four, four inches of rain, which is a lot of rain. Either way, there was a lot of water in that field. It seemed to hold up, uh, hold up relatively well, but like Carm, like you said, and probably may have left uh, Garrett Miller on the bench uh, uh, for the rest of the game. Who knows for sure on that one just yet. Well, who you know, would I have think thought, who would have yeah. thought the second game of the season that Max Clare would lead Purdue in targets. Yeah. You know, that tells me that, you know, after that Fresno state game, they really realized that, Hey, we got to find ways to just move the chains and we got to come up with some stuff here. That's not, you know, just Dion Burks making big plays. And I think they found a lot of ways to involve the tight end. They found a lot of ways to involve Max Clare being the tight end. Keep in mind, this is a redshirt freshman who uh, is playing in his second college game, who opened the season third on your depth chart. And that was sort of the guy you built a lot of your game plan around today. And I, I think that really showed a lot of ability to course correct on Purdue's coaching staff's part here. Yeah, yeah. Third, third of their targets go to the tight ends. Literally, uh, uh, Drew Bibber also had got in a little bit. And obviously, Garrett Miller had the one catch they threw to Bibber once it did not uh, complete it. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thing from a scheme standpoint. I think it does give Purdue some more options uh, as they uh, go further into the schedule. Now, again, a good a a good showing of a, a little bit more functional offense, Mike, moving ahead. Uh, what do you take on that? But also that de the defense making enough, putting enough pressure on uh, on uh, Grant Wells uh, throughout enough throughout the course of the game. I thought that uh, uh, Nick Scoutron especially was in there doing the job. And I have to look at the statistics here, but uh, did a pretty good job of putting putting the heat on um, uh, Virginia Tech's uh, passing game. Uh, not only Nick, but uh, Jenkins did a good job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's what you need from those two. I mean, Jenkins is a more veteran guy. Uh, you know, Nick played a lot last year, but he's in a more – he's in a different role, and a lot more is being asked of him than, than what there was last year. But, you know, those two guys need to be their pressure guys 
And, you know, they're, you know, they got some sacks, but, you know, I think you have to look beyond, are they, are they touching the quarterback? Are they hitting the, hitting the quarterback? And then what is their pressure doing to help the secondary? And, you know, did, did Walters mix up his coverages tonight as opposed to last week? Um, trying to do something different maybe and realize you can't go all man all the time. You've got to do some different things to, to infuse the opposing quarterback and help, help your team out. Um, you know, we'll see how that evolves through the season when they face better, better offenses, uh, you know, probably starting with Syracuse next week. And then once you jump into the big 10 play, you know, you're going to see a whole host of <laughs> really good offenses, but um you know, the defense is better. You get a, you get a second half shutout You keep them out of the end zone. You give your offense a chance. And, you know, and that's what, um, you know, this is how this team is going to have to play. Yeah. And I think you're going to, for the most part, I don't think Purdue will get its doors blown off in any game, but on the flip side, I don't think they're going to blow anybody's doors off uh, as we go through this season. Yeah, no doubt. They, statistically, right, uh, Jenkins actually had three quarterback hurries and a sack. Scouting actually didn't have any quarterback hurries, did have a sack, three and a half tackles for loss. Purdue total. Cole nine Brevard, tackles all, for loss. Yeah, to, to, total uh, nine tackles uh, for loss, like you said. So that's uh, – and three sacks. So that's a – that was definitely a step in the right direction in terms of pressure. Um, Dylan Thieneman led Purdue again in tackles with seven and had the pick as well, a second pick in two games. Uh, uh, he's already going to, he's, it won't be long until he's threatening Stuart Schweiger's record, right? Uh, there'll be the a pick of the year on defense. What's that? Big 10 freshman of the year on defense. Yeah. Well, he's he's going to make a lot of tackles this year. Positionally, that's sort of his, it, everything right. gets kind of gets funneled to him. No doubt. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of a backhanded compliment because when the, the last line of defense is the guy making your tackles, it usually means that it's it's seven, eight yards down the field, which, you know, is a win for the offense. But that's that's it's still an important position because seven or eight yards is a whole lot better than 47. Yeah. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> I want you. I want you. I, we're, we're dealing in truisms here. Go ahead, Brian. You had something else. Uh, Kaijin Jenkins is playing like a grown man. Yeah. Um, you know, Scourton, uh I think played really well today, too. I think both of those guys are really good. But I think Kaijin Jenkins, through two games, has been everywhere. And what he did to that, that offensive tackle on that sack, yeah. he made that guy a meme. I mean, that that's that's... <clears throat> That's a guy who's not like 6'7", 260, just batting somebody away like a cat toy. That that's he's he's a linebacker body type playing that uh kind of hybrid position. And he just pushed that offensive tackle back on his back and went and sacked the quarterback. I and mean, that showed extreme explosion, extreme strength. And um he's starting to look like an NFL player to me. And you know, so is Scouting. Yeah. Those are two guys that other teams have to game plan. Against. Yes. Yeah. And yes. But I think that's what we've seen in these first two games is that, you know, when Syracuse puts on the tape now, they're going to have to try to go away from Jenkins and Scouten or, you know, try to, you know, chip them or do whatever. But those are two guys now. And, and the, those that covered Purdue the last couple of years know about Jenkins, you know, and, and Caraway was, or Scouten was always, 
you know, a guy that had great, great promise, yeah. but now they're playing a bigger role and opposing teams really have to pay attention to where they're at on the field yeah. and kind of dictate their offense a little bit to get away from them or double team them or come up with something. And that in theory should help some other guys potentially make some plays on the defensive side. And they help one another because you can't, you can't tilt things toward one or the other because then the other one will beat you. It's the old Roosevelt Colvin Chike O'Keefer um, tandem, but all you know, among many others that came after them. You know, when Purdue had great defensive ends or whatever you want to call these guys, there have been really good players opposite them too, and they kind of help one another. And I, I, I think Purdue's got a really good foundation there from a defensive perspective with those two guys, and uh, that that defensive line as a whole is pretty solid um the fact purdue you know forced two turnovers today you know uh i thought it was pretty significant the fact purdue's offense still hasn't turned the ball over you know two games yeah i'm sure they don't nobody wants me saying that out loud <laughs> yeah um but that's uh you know as coaches always say and probably don't have to say because it's really uh obvious to anybody who's ever watched a football game but when you win the turnover margin you know you have a much better chance to win yeah you are dealing in absolute truisms tonight another one down pike there's it's a good one though That's i have all this idea. wisdom I, what, <laughs> what am i going to yeah, do with it if not to share it with the people i know and that's why and that's why you did all right syracuse i know carm you're going to start your prep for purdue syracuse maybe within minutes 113 to 7, they've outscored their two opponents. They beat the Colgate Palmolives 65 zip, Western Michigan 48 to 7 today. Did you say the Palmolives? Ba yeah, I think I just nicknamed the uh, like the, the dish uh, soap. Yeah. And uh, Dino Babers, who has been in Ross Aid Stadium and and obviously stole one from Purdue last year in a lot of ways, not in a lot of ways, they did uh, in, in a win in, in, in the Carrier Dome. But uh, it will be an electric. I think that's one great thing for Purdue fans. Just this game today, winning it, winning it, it, it sold out in Ross Aid Stadium. Uh, they'll have another week to finish them, put all the finishing touches on Ross Aid Stadium. The tunnel will all be ready, all that kind of stuff. But it will be a big night in Ross Aid Stadium next week. I'm not asking you to break down Syracuse, but this is a game that uh, uh, does, you know, every game, like you said, just going to take importance with this team because there are no layups here for the remaining 10 games of the season. I will, I will tell you regarding last year's game, you can't steal something if it's given to you. That's true. That's another truism. <laughs> I was going to say, Purdue, they had didn't that, steal it. Purdue had that win in its hands, but it had too much palm olive on its hands. <laughs> Flip right through it. Or Yeah, but <laughs> Purdue, Purdue gave that game to them last year. Oh, yes, they did. That was one where you walked out of the Carrier Dome thinking this is a game that will – hold them back from doing something and I know that I know they have a lot of new faces on this team that were not part of that but the guys that were involved in that game that are on this year's roster I mean that has to still leave a really bad taste in their mouths how that game ended and all the just uh stupid mistakes yeah <laughs> into the game for the lack of a better term there that cost them the game. I mean, that was probably the most unraveling that I've seen a Purdue team do in my time of covering the team. But 
Dino is also two and zero against Purdue. Yeah, at Green and Syracuse, and he has a fondness for Ross State Stadium. He has a fondness for Purdue. I think one of his daughters was born in West Lafayette. Yeah, they have one of the bucket games. So uh, there's some history there with him, and he's going to be excited to come back. You know, they who who's played the better schedule up to this point? I'd probably say Purdue. And, you know, Purdue's going to have a little momentum coming into this. And as you said, it's going to be a sellout. Um, I believe the game is the game on NBC. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is on NBC. This Purdue's first appearance on NBC in football? Well, well at Notre home, Dame. but not, not at Notre Dame on the road. Okay, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, shows you how I'm and... <laughs> no, I'm just I – knew, I knew where you were going with that one, but I, I was ready for that one. So, so yeah, to, to try to, to – to try to, try to try to tether together the topics of this game to come and that Syracuse game last year. I think it's really significant for Purdue to have won a game today where you were just playing tennis for a while, where you just, if somebody made a mistake, it was going to change the game. And, uh, you know, Purdue didn't make that mistake. I don't think Virginia Tech made that mistake. Purdue just got the drive it needed after it got the stop it needed. And for Purdue to be in that sort of situation where the game could go either way and for them to pull that out with all these new guys, I, I think that's a really valuable experience for teams that are, are pretty new playing together. And had Purdue, you know, last year at Syracuse just done one more thing right and one less thing wrong or one more thing right or one less thing wrong, you know, you would have won that game. And I think that Purdue having to basically be – Perfect. I, I shouldn't say perfect, but very, very good in that second half uh, when it was kind of a scoreless stalemate, a quagmire, if you will. Yes. Um, for them to kind of win that way, to win a close game, I think was really significant. Yeah, very much so. All right, uh, gentlemen, we're gonna we're gonna release you. You're done for the e- evening, at least in terms of of Saturday simulcast. Tom Deanhart. Uh, will be making his way. He had a little bit of unexpected travel, I think, but he's going to be uh, making his way back to West Lafayette. But uh, via what do you Charlotte, think they all did in that press box for five and a half hours? I I don't know. They might have played uh, charades. I might have done that. Maybe uh, I don't know. What I don't know. What what would you have done for five uh, hours? And... I don't know. Written the great written the great American novel. You would. You might have done that. Yeah, so I don't an, know. Played some, some some angry words. Yeah, we um, had uh, like I said a lot of fill time today, but uh, again at the end of the day, Purdue gets the job done and uh, lives to uh, come home with a one and one record as it will take on Syracuse next week uh, on next Saturday night. That's when the game is scheduled. Assuming the weather is, <laughs> we're not going to worry about the weather just yet for that one. Though we have is, seen some. Is Purdue now? I, the only three games I can remember Purdue having a weather delay, Purdue is 3-0 and in. Uh, Northern Illinois or Illinois State, whoever it was, back under Tiller. Eastern Illinois, yeah, and the great Bob Spoo. Minnesota against, you know, in Brahms' first year or second year, whatever it was. And now, and now this, right? Can you think of any others? Yeah, there's a fourth. Ohio, Ohio, 1989, yep. How'd that game turn out? They won! Right. There you go. We figured four, it out. No. We figured it out. Root for lightning. <laughs> lightning, it hit section 103 or something. almost killed somebody at uh, Ross Aid Stadium, if my memory is great. The great Steve Letnich. 
if you Carl could just pull, if you could just pull a Crash Davis rain delay every game, you know, <laughs> they'd be all set. Purdue's going to win the national title. <laughs> yeah, I was. I heard Newton was telling the story of the Eastern Illinois game, which was remember was in two thousand seven. It was thirty five or at least thirty five nothing at the half. And the East Illinois, remember that it was at half. I think it was when that delay was. And no, East Illinois, second, I thought it was in the second half. I think it so was, that was right. Minnesota. Never mind. Yeah, Minnesota was late in the game, but um, East Illinois cheerleaders went home. They just said, "Chuck it, we're, we're we're leaving." So they did not come back, and they played <laughs> the final half or however long it was without cheerleaders. Curtis Painter threw, I think, five or six touchdown passes and a fifty-two to six win. Who could have ever forgotten that one? Uh, but, Had there been uh, cheerleaders, that game would have turned out very differently. Very differently. But I thought that was a fun – that might have been Rob Blackman said that was a good story, but uh, it got my attention during the during the delay today. So, all right, guys. Carm, do you have something? Go ahead. Go ahead. What if the cheerleaders made it home to watch the second half? <laughs> they might have. <laughs> But you think about that, that was Bob Spoo and, and and Joe Tiller was a you know, Bob was a good friend of Joe Tiller's and Brock Spacks, and and uh, they tried to treat him nice, but it was a uh the Panthers went down 52 to 6 in that one. So all right, guys, we'll we'll put an end to this. Thanks so much. Uh, a reminder that we'll have a Saturday simulcast. Probably, well, next week we'll probably really will be doing it late, I assume, after that game against Syracuse. I uh, want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel. Remind you that uh, you watch us on YouTube. Why don't you join, uh, become a member of goldenblack.com. You can hear what, uh, you can read what Mike Carmen has to say. You can you can uh, read what M Brian Newbert has to say, Tom Diener, all his coverage as well. A lot going on on the site. A lot of, a lot of basketball still to come too here before long as the Boilermakers starts practice here in a couple of weeks. So have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you on our Saturday simulcast next week uh, after Purdue takes on Syracuse. Take care, all.